Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now imagine it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is the Thunderbolt Podcast. These are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting. Well, hey, Notable Podcast listeners, uh, we are, we're coming to you with another episode. And um, if we plan this right, and I think we did plan this right, you are, this episode will be coming out on um, very near to the, the Festival of the Reformation. Um, my daughters, Jonathan, they always call it Halloween. And I always tell them, girls, it's not Halloween today. It's Reformation Day. <laughs> so they are dressing up. I don't know about your kids, Jonathan, but my kids are going to be dressed up as cowgirls and their little brother is going to be a, a cow, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's what they're going to do for Reformation Day uh, and to, to celebrate. But we are doing this podcast for, for Reformation Day. And it this is on purpose. I'm going to admit it. Like this is this is absolutely on purpose that we are arriving to, we're going to just do two verses today. We're going to look at Habakkuk two verse four and Habakkuk two verse five. That's it. And this verse, it is not too much to say. It, in, in fact, it's right on to say that this, this verse is at the core of what Luther taught. When he, when he said, any any basis teaching on Romans and Habakkuk and and um, Genesis, it's right here. How do we become righteous? And what what's Habakkuk's teaching? It's right here. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Now we got to talk about that translation, but it's right here. This is this is at the heart of the Reformation. This is at the heart of our faith. It's the doctrine in which the church will will stand or fall like wow <laughs> here we are um so take us into it jonathan well i feel responsible to set the emotional and spiritual context for the verse and the way that i want to do that is in, because look doctrine is um is lived and the way in which this is a lived, this doctrine becomes a lived experience here. See, it's the, it is the righteous will live. So this is a lived experience here is, um, is in evil times. Um, there, 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 there are such things as evil times. Uh, I, um, I, I don't think that's a revelation for anybody right now. It, it was at one point for me in my life. I I can tell you that it's Solomon. Um, Solomon. It was it was he who said it in in his great wisdom book, the book of Ecclesiastes. He said this: um, as fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times. There it is. People are trapped by evil times. 
that unexpectedly fall upon them. So there it is. Um, if you're a younger person, you know, I, I, you know, Timothy, you and I grew up in pretty optimistic times, actually pretty optimistic times in the nineties. And, and so we were, we were the kind of people I, I remember um, that if the stock market swooned, um, get in because it's going back up. <laughs> and and uh, I always thought, you know, if people got sick, they they would eventually get better. And if there was a war, it certainly wasn't going to be in our land. And if there was instability in the world, it wasn't going to be here. And that that peace and prosperity were kind of the way. They're, they're, they, they were the normal. And I I wasn't alone in that. Apparently, I was picking up the, the cultural zeitgeist of the time. Um, which still exists today to some extent. There was a book called The End of History. <laughs> um, and the end of history was all about how with democracy and science and technology that that um, we were we had really gotten to a place where things were just going to get better. And um, I don't I don't think I, I wonder how many people think that anymore. You know, I we've been through enough like uh, instability um and and division um in the last few years that it's, it's a good reminder to us that evil times are a real thing and um spiritually speaking uh that's especially true whether we're speaking economically or um, nationalistically is another but spiritually speaking that's that's true too so there, we can look at it through that lens i don't know if this is bombast or sensationalism or reality um, I'll let better judges of that preside, but our national periodical um, in our own denomination, Timothy, um, put out a put out an image on the front cover that um, was all black, and it was a commentary on our time. It was all black except for a cross that was in colors, and and that I think that's interesting for you know the editors to make that choice. They're they're saying without saying it what they think our spiritual moment is. And again, I'll let people, other people judge whether that's inaccurate or that's bombast or whatever that is. Um, but it, at the very least, it's a reminder that evil times happen. And it is this verse that is that which addresses it from God. The righteous will live by faith. And so I, I'm going to pause there because I said a lot and I, and I don't want to hog Timothy. Well, I want let's like let's what I want to do is really get into the verses. I want to I want to frame it out if that's that's okay with you. And then we'll we'll look at some really significant exegetical um, points that we want to make. But let me just read this is Habakkuk two verses four and five. It says, "See, the enemy is puffed up; his desires are not upright." but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. I'm using NIV. Um, Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. So I want to just, I want to just notice some things about where this great Reformation text comes from. And the first thing I want to point out is like the the righteousness of faith that Habakkuk proclaims 
is varied. It's, it's, um, it's a very, it's just a, a couple of words in the middle of a text that is all about the wicked. Um, so, so the, the verse starts, see the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. That's the verse. That's what the verse is going to go on and talk about. And then it's like the great reformation verse is an aside. Like the, the editors of the NIV, they put, is it called a dogish, a hyphen? I get mixed up on like the length of those little dashes that they put in there. But it really is, an, it, it's like an aside. Um, by the way, okay, Habakkuk's like, I want to talk about the wicked. But then he has this little tiny aside where he's like, here's what a righteous person is going to look like in those same evil times. And it's buried in there in a description of the wicked. And we're going to look at that, I know, a little bit more. But I, I just wanted to say, say one thing. Um, this is compare and contrast language. So the wicked, the enemy, is, is going to look like this. Um, he's going to be puffed up. He's going to want things that are wicked. Uh, and he's going to be greedy as hell. Like literally, it's the NIV puts it greedy as the grave, but that's greedy as Sheol. So it's always wanting more and more and more. It, like death, it's never satisfied. Um, he's just going to consume and consume and consume and consume and work and work and work and work. And his heart is never going to be, um, it's never going to have Sabbath. It's never going to be able to, to stop. And so like the biggest, the imagery for me, it comes home as um, there was this one time, Jonathan, where I saw a picture of a boa constrictor that had just eaten a deer. And you could literally see like this deer leg like, kind of popping out of the this the snake's stomach. And I was like, what a gut bomb. You know, I never forgot that. And the wicked person looks like that. It's just um Luther, Luther actually put it this way. He commented that excessive force falls of its own weight. So it's like the, the Babylonians are consuming and consuming and they want more and, and they're working. See, I'm getting workers' righteousness into it. They're working and they're working and they're working and it, they're never able to rest. They always need more. And, and that's a significant problem. In contrast to that, in contrast to that, the righteous person, that's death. That is death. In contrast to that, the righteous person is at rest. They have life by trusting in God. And in doing so, they receive righteousness. That, that I'm trying to set up the passage and put it into its context. Two, you're right. There's two ways of life. You can either try to get life for yourself or you can believe God's going to give you life. That's that's and again you're you're just you're a black hole if you try to fill your own heart it's it's greedy as hell you're never gonna have enough not of whatever you're pursuing but when you believe God there's life and life to the full and 
that's boom, Habakkuk. Right. Did you want to say more about that? No, like that. I just wanted to set up the verses and kind of give it give it a framework. Like that. That's the the most basic message of of these verses. But we need to move a little bit deeper. And I know you had some reflections on um, these verses that that you wanted to take us into. So please do. Well, one one of them, you know, I just look there. There's a once we once we move, we don't ever move past this. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But once we move past repenting of pursuing life our way and by you know following our desires and we turn to god um and we and we believe him um then we're into verse four b the righteous person will live by his faithfulness and this is this is the way of life that we have in difficult times and the the this is the very first thing i want to say about it is the life of faith is the way of life in in difficult times and uh i look i feel like i need to say that out loud because th this is here's here's the temptation I, and i see this i see this in christians it's it is interesting to me um and not just interesting to me but troubling to me um as a pastor that when i see christians enter into difficult times um, just as often as I see Christians move into their faith, I see them move away from it. And it troubles me. You know, a, a marriage goes under or uh, medical or whatever. All of a sudden, a Christian stops seeing um, their, their faith as the fundamental resource in a difficult time, as the thing that they need to move into in a difficult time. And so the very that's the very first thing I want to say is here Habakkuk is in an emotional and spiritual pain. We've talked about that. And what does the Lord give him? He gives them faith. He, get, he gives them the doctrine of faith, of the righteousness of faith. Faith is the fundamental resource we have um, in, in a difficult time in life. And so I want to talk about that there's sustaining things here um, through faith. And, and I want to talk about the first one is in, in hard times, faith sustains us. And I think one of the ways um, that faith sustains us um, is like this. We are told here, we're just listening to these words, that the righteous person will live by faith. So <laughs> that, that people um, do this. That, that's that's what we're told that that we're doing this and here's here's the implication of this uh we don't we don't live by our works you already said that and what that means is there's not a one of us that is deserving there's there's not a there, look how does somebody get saved how does anybody get saved it's not by being good enough um that's not why this person lives uh we are justified. We are considered to be righteous. We get legal standing with God, which means we're going to come out the other side alive. And it's by faith and it's not by works. And now everybody here should be thinking about 
how we are saved by faith in the blood of Jesus. And what that doctrine means, and it's right here, is that there are no deserving people. There are, there are people who receive grace. There are people who are gifted with grace. But there are no deserving people of grace. And when, see, when we, knew, when we know that in hard times, then none of us can get uppity with God. We, none of us can say, um, Lord, I deserve better. Lord, how could you? Because we straight up know we don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> it's not a legitimate complaint. Now, we've talked about this. There are legitimate complaints in Christianity. A legitimate com complaint in Christianity is when we say, Lord, God, your will is not being carried out in the world. Lord, um, Lord, I need you to come and come and fix this for other people. But illegitimate complainers are saying, God, I can't, like, how could you ever let this happen to me? I, I deserve better. I, I, I need better. I, I, all of that. And this, this verse here, the righteous will live by faith, it absolutely disallows that. And so I want to, the, the, one of the greatest, one of the greatest American pastors, guy by the name of C.F.W. Walther, talked about how important this is. He says, he talked about how we just can feel sorry for ourselves and think we deserve better. <laughs> and so I know all of us have been Christians like this. Sometimes we've even, each of us have even been that Christian where the minute you ask them, how, how are you doing? How are you doing today? What are they going to do? They're going to say, oh, my goodness. it's just this litany. And you go, oh, man, I wish I hadn't asked. It's, everything's wrong. Everything's bad. Um, it, it should be different. And it's just it's complaining upon more complaining every single time. Um, and CFW author is going to he's talking about this kind of spirituality. And this is what he says. About, I want to give you the quote. He, he called it this a secret murmuring against God, the ruler of life. And this is the key part. It is the fruit of pride and self-righteousness. It's, he says this is a fruit of pride and self-righteousness. He's exactly right. Why, look, why are we so upset about our present circumstances? Why? Why? Why, do we, why do we think we deserve better? Because we feel entitled. And why do we feel entitled? We, because we feel deserving. And what, why in the world do we feel so deserving? <laughs> and, well, and this is what Walter says. He's so convicting on this. He says we should, he says we should feel deserving. He says we should feel very deserving. Of wrath, and so what? What? What this doctrine does is in us when we really think it through, we take it in in our in present evil circumstances, is it destroys spiritual bradiness. It just it takes us it takes us out of that. I have a friend. I have a friend. He's been through a lot, and one of the, he's he's very spiritually resilient. One of the things he always says is this: I'll, I'll ask him how how are you doing. And he always says, better than I deserve. And I like this. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to build on your comments using the text a little bit. because, And um, Tim Seleska, a scholar on Habakkuk, actually says, when it says, see, the enemy is puffed up, his desires are not upright. 
he actually takes that as a little bit of a swipe by God to Habakkuk, saying, Habakkuk, you think that you deserve all these things. You you, you desire to have it your way. And and you're puffed up, Habakkuk. You're puffed up. You're you're bratty. You're you're entitled, Habakkuk. You don't get what you deserve. Um, and so this is a this is sort of an assault on that entitlement um, attitude. And we can all we can all live that way sometimes. It's really important. I also wanted to to say this. We've been because I think we have, we've made the claim that what what Habakkuk says in in four B is the righteous person will live by his by his faith. Um, but the NIV translates faithfulness, and I'm not sure if now is the right time to talk about it. But I'm going to talk about it for just a second. Um, at issue here, there, there, this is a this is a, a scholarship and exegetical question, right? It could be faith. It could be faithfulness. Um, the translation faithfulness, in my view, is problematic because it does it could lead a, a Christian to to misunderstand what Habakkuk is saying. It it it's it's it lends itself to misappropriation and and misapplication. We already said that um, the puffed up is always working, always wanting more. And so even within the, the context, the better translation is a person who's at rest, who's very passive, who's living by his faith. And that's that's the way the New Testament understands it too. So if you if you go to to Romans where, where this is quoted, it becomes obvious that as the New Testament writers read this, they they didn't read it as faithfulness, like something that we're doing and carrying out. Um, while it will lead to that, faith will lead to that. We've always said that. Um, they translated it as is a very passive thing. This is this is something they're 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 in a trusting resting state. Which so I think it's right contextually. And if we're to believe, if we're going to let the New Testament interpret the old testament and we could debate whether or not you should do that and and trust the new testament writers then what we have for the best translation is that the righteous person will live by faith and not not by faithfulness the second thing is and this this is uh is where to link up the prepositional phrase by his faith um it could the passage could be saying the righteous person, um, the righteous person by faith. So then it would be talking about the righteousness of faith will live. So you connect the prepositional phrase up to the righteous person. You can also connect the the prepositional phrase up to the verb, which is, and I think the NIV is right to do that. So the emphasis then is. The righteous person will live. Well, how? How are you going to? And that this is what you were talking about, Jonathan. You're going to live. So that that's a really significant verb. How are you going to live? By faith. So actually, then the passage is not talking about the righteousness of faith. It's talking about the life of faith. If that makes sense. 
that the righteous person has. You kind of end up in the same place, but I think it's a significant. The emphasis then comes on life and how we get it, which is through faith. Yeah, and we're we're getting into the nuances of this because it's important. Like, I, I let me show you an, an experience. I I've never sh- I don't know if I've ever shared this with anybody before, but the I've had a long life with Habakkuk. I've always loved Habakkuk. I I've loved it ever since. Maybe you remember this, Timothy. We took a um, an advanced Hebrew course back at back at, when we did our um, undergrad work at Martin Luther College. And I remember bumping into Habakkuk 2, verse 4. And that's where I first ran into the controversy. And, and it, it actually turned into a little bit of a crisis of faith for me because I realized the significance of it. It's either by works or by faith. It's either by faith or by faithfulness. And there was a tremendous amount of tension for me in that when I when I saw um, the different translations. And, and the NIV translation was already, it was, it was almost spiritually torturing me at the time i remember going in the library and studying this issue for hours and i've since made my peace with it and i did it by um i didn't i didn't know my hebrew well enough i can i can make my peace with it in hebrew and and the way that i do that is you you did a great job with the exegesis of helping people realize it's not this isn't connected here to um the righteousness um it's not that you're righteous by faithfulness. It's not what it says. It's it's you're going to live by faith. And w- life in the Bible um, is actually spiritual life. And we're going to talk about that more. It's it's not this deadness where you have to pursue it yourself. That would be the opposite of what the context of sa- is saying. But then when you read it forward um, from the New Testament, you have... Uh, and this is where I want to give some breadcrumbs for our listeners to do some of this work by themselves too. You got to go to Romans 1.17, and then you got to go to Galatians 3.11. And when you go to those verses, you see um, that the righteousness of faith is something that comes purely from God. It comes purely from God. It's, it, it's pure gift, pure grace. And and yet and and part part of the grace in the New Testament. And this is where we're gonna. You have to look at it in Hebrews um, ten thirty eight as well. Part of the part of the grace of faith is that it does continue on steadfastly believing God. Um, there's empowerment here from God in the face of adversity. So in the face of difficulty, and um, that's Hebrews ten verse thirty eight. And there's a scholar that I just, I, I really respect him. His name is Ernst Wenlin. And he gives uh, just, I, I think, a wonderful um, explanation of, of Hebrews 2, verse 4. And this is how, how he writes about it. He says, the person who is regarded as being righteous by Yahweh based on his or her faith. So there it is, based on his or her faith. That's it. Or steadfast trust in the Holy One lives his or her faith in the world accordingly. So there is an ongoing activity with the faith. And that, that is characterized by faithfulness that the demands of a divine covenant of righteousness. And he, she will ultimately live in holy fellowship with God eternally, solely as a result of the just salvation worked by the all powerful but merciful sovereign Lord. 
And there Ernst Wendland, I think, is unfolding everything that the verse is, is meant to say. God is sustaining this faith, this faith as well. And so I this I, is I, yeah. I was just gonna point this out. Like this is an issue, like the scholars, whether to translate faithfulness or faith, they they flip-flopped on it. Like my old, if I get out my old NIV 84, it says by faith. Like the, the righteous will live by faith. And then somebody must have came on to the translation committee and they flipped it. And now, like in my 2011 NIV, um, it's there's a footnote that says, or faith. And they're like, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And people are wondering, how much should we let the New Testament help us? Because if that's determinative. If we're gonna if we're gonna let Paul help us along to understand Habakkuk, um, that that is really really helpful. In the context of Habakkuk, like I said, this is he. What we have is compare and contrast. We got puff this puffed up guy who's always pursuing, always working, always needing more, never resting, and that's compared to. Um, it, it wrecks the comparison to say the righteous person also is living by everything that he's doing. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. The righteous person is at rest. The righteous person is trusting and living, like truly living um, by his faith. And we'll talk about more about what that, that means. But I'm convicted so, on it. I'm so convicted he, on it. I am too. And so you, you got you got stuck listening to a couple of like class, and I mean this in a very classical sense, uh, evangelical pastors, gospel-centered pastors. We we believe like the old Latin um, motto that's it's sola fide, sola fide, full of faith. We're going to believe God, and that is that is what um, accounts us as righteous. Um, we're going to believe in our Christ. And what I what I want to do is I want to move more into now something that you already very sensitively pointed out in your exegesis that um, if not leaving behind but staying with this idea of sola fide it's by grace or by faith. Um, interestingly enough, in the Hebrew sentence, here we are. We are in a context of adversity, difficulty, evil times, international conflict. And what the Lord, what Yahweh promises the believer, this person who has faith, is that they will live. <laughs> they will live. And so um, there's, there's the, now I want to say a couple things about that. And I think the first is, is really obvious. The first is like, let's take this right away to an eschatological place, to the end. Let's take it all the way to the end. What what does that mean? You're gonna survive. <laughs> you're you're gonna make it. Like you're gonna squeak through. <laughs> you're gonna squeak through. Okay. So you're you're gonna in the end you're gonna be reconciled to God, and that is that is absolutely a truth that is in here. In the end, you will stand before God, and you will be declared righteous. That is that is absolutely a truth. That is here in Habakkuk, and I'm saying a truth because it's not the only truth. I, um, that would be a big problem if if we if we thought that. that Habakkuk here is actually saying God. The, in, let me say this a different way. Yahweh 
is actually saying to, to Habakkuk and through Habakkuk to all of us that for the Christian, something, something else is also going to happen. And it is this, that as you are in the trouble, as you are awaiting, and we had talked about that a lot last time, as you are waiting for God's ultimate resolution, the bringing of the kingdom and um, the new creation and, and, and Christ to come back and all those different ways we can frame it. As you're waiting, you will live. You will live. And that, that, is, that is a pregnant, pregnant idea um, in, in the Bible. And I can, Timothy, you're chomping on the bit. I can just tell you. So I'll let you talk about that. What, one thing that's a little deceptive here is like those that the the tense is like will live that that's kind of what you're moving into is that and the the English English tenses are more exact than Hebrew tenses um you get it, it'd be easy to read that and be like oh he's talking about some distant future like someday I'll live and and the Hebrew tense um the imperfect doesn't work like that it's not as determinative if we could use that about um it, it's just some future uh event it's more ambiguous it's more i like the word pregnant where yes we will live then but it's more than that and the lutheran confessions say that like lutherans and i i think this is this has been a truncated theology by Lutherans more recently, but Lutherans have always believed at, at its core that it's that salvation salvation is salvific. In the end, it's eschatological, but it's also now. It's also presently. It's it's in the moment. So, like one of our confessions says this, um, and it's discussing this very verse. This is so significant for the Reformation for Lutherans. Here he writes first that people are righteous by faith, by which they believe that God is reconciled. And he adds, and this is what we're kind of moving into, like he adds that the same faith makes alive because it produces peace, joy, and eternal life in the heart. So here we are. We're gonna we're gonna harp on this throughout the rest of this. this podcast but here we are in in terrible circumstances like you you look out and you have the babylonians they're coming for you it's it's wartime it's disaster or we could we could modernize it and put it in our present moment and and talk about all the thing things that are possibly wrong in our own personal circumstances and what what the what the righteous person does is it says god is faithful i know my jesus is with me I know that he died for my sins and that I'm right with God by the blood of Jesus. And that because of the fact that he's with me right now is that we have peace that transcends all understanding. I'm going to be okay. I'm good. Um, we have joy. We'll talk about that later in the book. Habakkuk is the prophet of joy. You're right, Jonathan. Joy, joy that's deeper and longer and wider and more profound. That, that is not dependent on outward circumstances. That is, like Luther said, faith is a mighty power. And, and it really is. Faith is a mighty power because it brings life. That's what Habakkuk is saying now and then. It, 
Right, right. And I want to now and then, and I want to point push into the right now. And part of me, what I want to do is just give you s- some more of the theology of this, some more of the, just flesh this out a little bit more. This verse is saying, when it says the righteous will live, that it's saying something more than you're going to make it, you're going to survive and make it out of the evil time, whatever it is in your life. And survive, look, mere consciousness and survival is not the great Christian goal. (laughs) Look, okay, this is where I'm doing a little bit of theology here. Um, Scripture makes that very clear. It it's even even if we're talking about the end, what we know is that in eternity, every person who has ever lived, who is living or will live, is going to have some kind of eternal consciousness and existence. We know that. And we we actually say that in all of our creeds. We we say, for example, in the Athanasian Creed that we believe in the resurrection of all flesh. It doesn't look, it, it doesn't say we believe in the resurrection only of believers. It says we believe in the resurrection of all flesh. And so everybody's going to have a kind of existence. Everybody's going to have a kind of consciousness. This has never been a question in, in Christianity. The question is what kind of consciousness and what kind of existence are you going to have? Is it going to be blissful or is it going to be hellish? And so when Habakkuk says the righteous will live by faith, the big biblical idea here is not that I'm going to have a mere existence. I'm I'm merely going to get through it. I'm going to have a consciousness after it's all said and done. He's actually taught like we're living as one of the undead or something like that. Habakkuk, Habakkuk is saying, that we are actually going to be spiritually alive. And in the Bible, spiritual death is characterized by hatred and malice and and, and lust and despair and anxiety and all these things. Whereas spiritual life in the heart is characterized as love and joy and peace and patience. And, And some of you are recognizing that I'm starting to quote another part of the Bible right now. And so what's happening is God's life of love, God's life of joy, God's life of peace, all those things are actually living in your heart in the moment that you are now, not perfectly. I'm not trying to say we're all bouncing along like bubbles during trouble or something like that. But you do have the experience of peace and joy, even in the Look, it, it wasn't all that long. I think sometimes I think it was long ago. It wasn't all that long ago. My daughter was 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 in um dire uh physical straits she if she hadn't gotten the help that she needed like now she could have she was she was she was so bad that um she, her body was starting to, to shut down some of her major organs were starting because of an infection she she got to the point where i was with her in the hospital room and they were hooking her up to oxygen because of because of the infection she could her her lungs were starting to shut down and even in that moment i was with my daughter i was holding she could barely move and i was holding her body on on the hospital room bed i had moments of peace i was not i was i was i was hurting with my daughter 
but I was not in ultimate despair. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. There is peace. There is joy to be had, even in the worst moments in life. You quoted the formula of of Concord. I'll, I'll quote the apology to the Augsburg Confession. It says that faith sustains our life and makes us alive inside. This is the power of faith. We can go into any circumstances, and there's still, I'm still hoping in God. I still have peace with God. He will not disappoint me because it's not dependent on me. Christ died for me. I am loved and I am safe. And that is the life of faith. Yeah, I, I love that. Like part of, part of this is reminding me, I've been working on a sermon for John chapter six. And like you see in these two verses, um, people living at a animalistic level like they it's consumption they're just trying to satisfy their physical needs and they find that they are their great hope is that the physics by by gaining more and more and consuming more and more and drinking and being greedy and things like that that they're going to feel better spiritually that they'll actually live and um Habakkuk saying no that's not the way this works and Jesus said the same thing he was like you can't um he had just fed the 5000 and they're coming to him and they're wanting more it cuz it wasn't enough and Jesus said your problem your problem is that your hopes are too small and that you're living on this physical level and you're dehumanizing yourself it's dehumanizing where you don't you don't have the spirit that lives at a whole nother level. And and that's Habakkuk is, is inviting us to live on a spiritual level. Um, and uh, you don't want to become Gnostic in any way because God so uh, abundantly provides for our physical needs. He gives us everything that we need. Um, but he does invite us to live on that spiritual plane where there is peace and joy despite um, every uh, physical discomfort because of what Christ our Lord has done. Here's the, this, I hope this isn't feeling like piling on to our listeners, Timothy, that the theological categories for this are, are like this. This is, this is, this is what I want. First of all, I want to, I'm so thankful if our listeners have gotten to the point where they believe um, the teaching that faith is the instrument by which God gives us Christ. Faith is the instrument. By faith, we are receiving Christ in our hearts, and we receive all of his benefits so that we are going to live eternally with God. I am so thankful that that is, that is a mass, that is a mighty work of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is the first life that now you believe you are reconciled to God and that in the end, you will be saved. That Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says that. And that's why Paul quotes it in Romans. And Paul quotes it Galatians, in Galatians. And the writer of the Hebrew brings it back again. This is, we are going to put our faith in Christ. And, and that faith is the instrument by which we are receiving Christ and all of his benefits. And so I want to thank God if, if the Holy Spirit has gotten you to this point. But I want to add another category. Faith is more 
than just a mere instrument of you receiving your ultimate life in the new creation. What, what we're trying to say here and what Habakkuk is also adding here is that faith is life itself. It is the joy of the spirit living in your heart right now. It is peace with God that you can experience to a certain degree right now. It is the beginning. It's not the completion. The Bible in other, in other, in other places um, calls it a down payment of the spirit, right? The down payment of the spirit, the life of faith. It's it's a deposit. The, the fullness, like the, the whole house is coming later. But it's the beginning of the peace, the beginning of the joy. It's the beginning of eternity in you. And it's going to come full flower um, when Christ comes again. But you can have it now. You, you do have it now. And it's moving into that. It's holding on to that, even in adversity. That um, this is what Habakkuk is saying. The, the here's a promise. The, you you as you look forward to. Um, I don't know if I mean it quite like that. Nobody looks forward to difficulty or adversity. But as you anticipate um, trouble and adversity in life, know this. You here's the promise. I, I read it as a promise, Timothy. You're going to live. You're going to you're going to be okay. You're still going to have peace. You're still going to have joy even if the worst thing happens to you, because, because the Holy Spirit's living in your heart. Faith is living in your heart. That's what this is talking about. I, I don't have a lot more to say about these verses other than this is, just to kind of bring it back to the way we started, this is, this is at the heart of the Reformation. This is what, like the Lutheran Church this weekend it gives us so much joy that just how much we receive through faith. <laughs> and I think what we're trying to exegete out and show as fully as we can, that what we receive is righteousness. What we receive is life. What we receive is all of God's promises. What we receive is Christ our Lord, who is our peace, who is our life, who is our everything. And, and that is a comfort to us now and then. It's both. If you are moved and you want to support this ministry, please go to www.thenotable.org.